astrology news which i don't have access to i sent it to what do you mean it's a private account i'm not that cool oh wow okay you sipping your latte i got i know i got a latte here that's crazy a private account this top secret information about lana del rey astrology oh are we recording we are oh you didn't tell me hey it's nikki jensen and Brie Picone. And we're Late, Late to, to the, the party. party, a weekly podcast about film, fashion, fashion and pop culture. <laughs> Sorry, so did confused. a sneak attack for you. <laughs> was, this a, was this a way to get me off, uh, like, I don't know, off the record or something? Yes, it was. I'm trying to divulge deep, dark secrets about you, Brie. <laughs> wow. And my love for Lana Del Rey, which should not be a secret. Yeah, I just want to expose it. I'm, I'm not uh, trying to hide it. <laughs> so, Okay. Brie. Yeah. What is this Lana Del Rey news? You okay, well, okay, for you one, need to tell the pod. It's, it's her birthday. Well, yesterday was her birthday. So happy birthday, Lana. Birthday. If you're Gemini? listening. <laughs> cancer? Is she a Gemini or a Cancer? I well, I think it's technically cancer season now, I think, with the summer solstice. So let me just see. Um because on a, I thought they changed it and I cannot keep up, you know? I feel like it's like a thing with like astrology and like Pluto, remember when, like, back in 06, they were like, Pluto's no longer a planet, and then they took that back, and they were like, Pluto actually is a planet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like this is, like, something with astrology. Like, we're gonna hear, because they changed it a couple years ago, I think that they're, we're gonna be, like, I don't know. Okay, so it says, in astrology, Cancer is the fourth sign of the Zodiac, considered as a the governing period from June 22nd to July 22nd. It says to about July 22nd, which I don't know what about means. Like, you need definitive date. Like a cusp? I guess. I but guess. I don't know. What do you think? What do you, like, how do you feel about cusp birthdays? <laughs> well, I know that you're a cusp birthday, so I kind of like, you know, I don't know what I feel. Like, just, it must be confusing being on the cusp. But I will say, like, only my, because, like, I'm on the Leo Virgo cusp, and August 23rd is legit the only astrological sign where sometimes it's a Leo and sometimes it's a Virgo, like, like a true cusp. A real, Everything yeah. else is not, like, it's on the cusp, yes, like, but it's not, but like, you know your sign. Yeah, you still know your sign. You're right, because I've seen it, like, I don't know. It confuses me. The Leo cusp, the Leo Virgo cusp is confusing, but... I don't know, but you definitely give me Leo energy. That's what I've been told by strangers. But <laughs> <laughs> but alas. But what is this Lana Del Rey news? Well, it's not really big news or anything. <laughs> it's, she just made this post um, on her honeymoon account, which I guess you have to be cool like me. Wait, she made the poster? It's not a fan account? No, she made. She has two accounts. So a, a while ago, like... I don't know how long ago, maybe six or eight months, something like that. She deleted her regular Instagram or deactivated it. I don't know, something like that. And um, she was like, yeah, I'm going to leave this other one open, but you don't expect to hear anything from me. She basically was like, I'm leaving Instagram. All her fans were really sad and like no one expected anything. And then she started posting on her honeymoon on that account. And that was the one when she dropped that album that she created. And it's more of a personal the account. The one that everyone hated. 
and said she was like racist for having like white people on the cover. Uh, oh no! Oh no, gosh, no, I'm not, not as aware. No, like of this. the chemtrails and the country club. I, you know, I think so. Oh gosh. Oh no! Sorry. They cancel. Okay. Gosh. Now I'm gonna be. I'm gonna get some. Uh, I don't know. Maybe listeners will be writing in, sending me hate mail. I hope so. <laughs> for standing Lana Torre. But yeah, what's the news? It, it, it's like I said, it's not really big news. Um, just like the planets are gonna be aligned from June seventeenth to June twenty seventh. So, um, woo! There'll be a celestial show, and it's a rare alignment. The last time it was the stars or the moon. Uh, not sorry. The planets, excuse me. <laughs> um, it's Venus. Wait, hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six. Well, okay. So basically, from Mercury to Saturn, they're all going to be aligned, and it's uh, God, I lost my train of thought. Is it like a good time for like manifesting or like abundance? You know, it's been difficult to find the actual like astrological meaning on it because apparently it varies. Depending on who you are, I guess, and where your planets are. So there isn't one. I haven't found any good information. <laughs> I found some information, though, that I want to share. Okay. Um, Put it on me. Sorry. I just, I had a thought that I was literally about to say something and then it left my brain. Oh, it came back to me. So <laughs> the last time the planets were aligned like this was 2004. And they won't be, yeah, they won't be aligned again until 2040, so. But, um, I found what it means, um, what each zodiac sign needs to know about the planetary alignment in June. And this is specifically about moon signs. Um, Mm -hmm. so, well, for me, I'm an Aries moon. I'm a Scorpio moon. You're a Scorpio moon. Mine says Aries moon people will need to put structure in their day-to-day lives on an immediate basis. Um, If anything's left in between or half undone, it's time for closures. Uh, Basically, Saturn will make you just do it, I guess. So um, take care of your health uh, if you've been overlooking it for some time. Uh, Dang. Oh, my God. I didn't read this before I hopped on. It says says the planet. I I read it, but like I skimmed, you know, I didn't see this part. It says the planet's aspects are not good so hopefully it'll be all right i mean i know i need like a a crown or two so it could just be that you know well what about scorpio moon all right yeah um so for scorpio moon it says um current planetary alignment astrology suggests you'll be meeting and networking with a lot of new people which will be quite meaningful and beneficial for you at this time um, you also may be taking up many short travels at the moment, which will be mostly for work and not pleasure. Huh. Okay. So you're going to be working. I- I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> After your doom and gloom reading, I'll take I'm it. I'm like, jeez. <laughs> oh. like, yeah, I'll be uh, working, but at least I'll be traveling. Yeah. Does it say anything else? Not really, no. Like, I'll die in a fire or something. No, no, you're going to be great. You're just going to be working, I guess, but in, like, a good networking. Cool. And and, uh, just, mine was kind of a long one, so it does say at the end, overall, it's a good thing as a lot of structures coming into your life. So, I'll have a lot of structure, so that'll be good, I guess. That's good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was just... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I wanted to end on a positive note. I was like... (laughs) Oh, yeah. Pretty Aries moons. Yeah. Which, I don't know, astrology, like, I feel like I used to be so attached to it, and now, lately, I've been really thinking hard, like, is it 
dangerous to be too attached to, you know, like how can, I don't know. I mean, this is for a way different conversation, but I think it's a slippery slope. And like a lot of times it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. And kind of like when you like are worried about stepping on cracks, like I think you can get way too superstitious on it. Yeah. And I'm pretty stitious as it is. Same. But speaking of planets aligning. Yeah. So for our second installment of Eat, Pray, Pod, we are discussing the 1997 smash hit My Best Friend's Wedding, starring Julia Roberts, our queen, uh, Dermot Maroney, Cameron Diaz, and Rupert Everett, and talk about everything coming together because this movie is one of the most successful rom-coms or anti-rom-coms of all time. Yeah, it almost is like an anti-rom-com, isn't it? A little bit. Like, she's... Julia Roberts is definitely an anti-hero in this movie. I dig it, though. Yeah. So before Tony Soprano, it was <laughs> Jules Potter. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, so what is your... Because I have distinct memories about my best friend's wedding, but Brie, I'm going to turn it to you. Like, what's your relationship with this film? Okay, so... I just saw it for the first time, like, this past week. I had not seen it before, so that's that's it. I've only seen it once. This is actually the conception of Eat, Pray, Pod, by the way. It's because I was like, you haven't <laughs> seen my best friend's wedding. Yeah. Blasphemy. But it, what were your thoughts? It was so good. It was, like, it's funny. It's, it has, like, a little bit, it has a lot of, like, angst. Like, a lot of, um, what is it, um... I, get, I don't know if irony – it's not really dramatic irony or anything necessarily because we know what's going on and – it's just like um, there's frustration because it's like you kind of – there's like tension. Tension. That's the word I'm looking for. You know what I mean? Like when you feel like people have uh, chemistry on screen and you kind of want them to be together, but then the way it goes is not – you know what I mean? Like you can't really – yeah. It's like who you're rooting for and then you're like, should I be rooting for this person? And I was like, oh, like Julia Roberts, like you said, her character's kind of like, she's not really doing the best things in this movie. She's the, like the anti-hero, but you still are kind of rooting for her. I don't know. But it's also relatable. Like we'll get into the meat and potatoes in a second, but like, I think what's really interesting about this film in particular is that like, we love Julia Roberts anyways. Yeah. Um, so she can do no wrong as a character in anything. Um, but besides that, it's like a film where you can totally see her perspective. Mm -hmm. it, it's just the way she goes about it that is like not right. It ain't right. It ain't tight, you know? But yeah. the chemistry between Julia Roberts and Dermot Maroney. Right? And so the, good. The, wait, wait. Dermot Maroney is... Is her friend, like, best Michael. friend? Yeah. Okay, yeah. But they look the same. They so look the same. Can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> Please. Really quick? So there's Dermot Maroney. I know this was, like, an SNL bit in the 90s, but who cares? It's true. There's Dermot Maroney, um, Dylan McDermott. Yeah. And Rupert Everett. And they all look the same. Especially, like, 90s versions of them. They do Wait, wait, hold on. You lost me. Wait, they all look the same? Yeah, have you ever? Well, okay, maybe not. They have very similar names. Wait, Rupert Everett is the best friend, like the gay best friend in okay. this movie. Michael, yeah, is 
McDermott Mulroney. And Dylan McDermott is also an actor. Wait, what is he doing in this one? I don't He's remember. not in the movie. Oh, I thought you were saying he's no. I was like, I don't remember him in this movie because no. I think I know who he is. Oh, yeah. He's been in, like, everything. Um, I guess it says he's known for the practice, but, like, I've never seen the practice. Oh, that dude. He's in, uh, is he in The Walking Dead? He's in Law and Order. He's in Law and Order. But he he was, like, in everything in that time. I've seen him in a lot of things. But how do you tell the difference between those three? He, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like, at the time? Yeah. Huh. <sighs> Sorry. No, it's so much energy. <laughs> it's, it's hard to tell. It'd be like if they were lined up in like a, like a, you know, in like a interrogation or whatever, you know, once if they had to be lined up like criminals. Yeah. I couldn't tell. They'd have Straight to, up. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Now my mind is on Law and Order SVU. Thanks. You're welcome. Any mention of Law and Order and I'm like, I go like straight like dong dong. Do, 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 do. Do like the music just starts playing and I'm transported. Yes, they look like brothers at least, at least. But this one stars Dermot Maroney, which I will always want to say Dylan McDermott. So yeah, bear with me. Okay. Um, but yeah, this movie I remember. I mean, I was too young to like go to the movie theater and watch this movie, but I do remember at Blockbuster. All the time seeing like the VHSs. Like, I remember this cover, like the movie poster, so vividly, and it was just like everywhere as a kid. That is, that's so wild too. Like, VHSs, like, I forgot about like renting VHSs. Like, yeah. Rewind, please be kind, be kind and rewind. rewind. Yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't see this movie until a couple years ago. Mm hmm. But I was like, I get it. I get why everyone loves this movie. Like, this movie's so damn charming. It's really cute. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's take a trip to 2000. Or not 2000. Whoa. <laughs> I know. We're always just in 2000, 2002. I know. Let's take a trip to 1997. Woo. Um. Yeah. So, in film, at least, it was the year of the Titanic. That's the year Titanic came out. Yeah. Which, which I still haven't seen. You gotta see it, Nick. <laughs> I only want to see it if it's on that, like, the VHS, the three VHSs. Yes, I have it on there. Well, then you can borrow it. get a VHS or a tape player. Yeah. That's how I'll watch it. That's step one. <laughs> but yeah, and Titanic was, of course, the highest grossing film of all time for 17 years, and it was surpassed by another James Cameron joint, Avatar. Wait, wait, wait. It was surpassed by Avatar? Mm-hmm. Okay, because I remember that film being big and all but like i feel like it's not one that has stayed like no one's gonna go okay no one's gonna go and rewatch avatar right you say unless that? they're like avatar nerds they're making like four more and one's coming out i think this year okay i low-key want to see it only because i'm curious how it holds up i saw the previews but i'm also like i'm not that in i don't remember being that invested the aesthetic was cool i don't know maybe i need to give it a chance but i just i don't know I saw it for the first time this past year. Well, what did you think? It was kind of like Pocahontas with blue yes. cat-like people. Yes. They were like blue cat Pocahontas-like people. I know what you're saying. Yeah. It, it was very Pocahontas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 1997 <laughs> was a big year. So Jurassic Park, The Lost World comes out. Men in Black. Tomorrow Never Dies. The Filth Element was released. Um, 
And yeah, like speaking of global hits, My Best Friend's Wedding was a huge hit and it was the eighth highest grossing film of the year. But out of like all these movies that came out in 97, do you have any favorites? Um, well, I mean, I do really love Titanic. Um, The Fifth Element, though, was so good. I love that that whole movie. Um, I love the Galliano costumes. Yes. I didn't see Fifth Element, though, until like later in life. I remember seeing Titanic when I was like five and being like, woo. But, you know, I don't know if it's like. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Alien Resurrection. That's the one I mentioned the other day with Winona. Yeah, Winona. Um, Honestly, though, that movie gave me nightmares. It was scary to me. (laughs) Airbud, though. I would say in my kid brain, Airbud probably would have been up there. At the, you know what I mean? Like, right. Do you mean favorite movies now? I don't know because I only, <laughs> I, I only have kid answers. Like right? now, I love Men in Black and I love The Fifth Element. <gasps> oh, okay. What? Anastasia. That's a good one. I'm gonna say that one because I'd still watch it now and I love it. Oh, I love that song on the soundtrack with uh, who is it? It's Donna Lewis. Life is a, no. Road and I want to keep going. Is that the one? A, yeah. <laughs> the yeah, the right here waiting for you, dude. Sings that song. And it's a bop. So good. Um, but as a kid in '97, I was obsessed with Hercules. <gasps> Hercules. Hercules. I always think of that. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, so obsessed that my fourth birthday party was me dressed. As Hercules, and then I did a costume change, and I was Meg. Wait, wait, wait. Nikki, you were in drag? You yeah. were Hercules and Meg? I love a good costume change. Is what this documented say? anywhere? Yeah, probably. I need to see. This is great. I didn't know this. But I was also obsessed with George of the Jungle, too. And then you changed into no, George no, no. of the Jungle? <laughs> that is so funny. No. I love that, though. The costume, the theater of it all, right? Oh, yeah. I remember they used to have these, like, Her- like Hercules marketing uh-huh. was huge during the time. And I remember I had the whole, like, works, like, Party City Hercules stuff. But they even had Hercules ice cream that I remember being dope. Oh, I just love, uh, yes. I, that was such a moment. I, that was one of my favorite movies as a kid, though, to be honest. And the music in that movie is so good. Like, even the beginning with the muses and just, like... Oh, so good. Uh, I won't say I'm in love. Yeah. Low-key will still, like, sing that song in the shower. Same. I just, like, start singing and my oh, shoulders yeah. start bouncing. Oh, uh, what was I going to... Oh, I even had, like, a CD-ROM for, like, Windows 95 of Hercules. Like, my whole world was Hercules <laughs> for a hot second. I had the Megara uh, doll. There was, like, a like a oh. Barbie. It wasn't Barbie brand or anything, but, you know, there was, like... I guess it must have been a Disney thing. I feel like 97 is the year, too, when, like, pe- like so much money was just funneled into marketing for movies. Like, I remember the Men in Black campaign was ridiculous. Mm. And then, um, um, who was, um, who beat out My Best Friend's Wedding in the box office? Batman and Robin. Right. That marketing was huge. And I was also obsessed with Batman and Robin. <laughs> I love George Clooney's nips, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and Mr. Freeze. Oh, yeah, Mr. Freeze. Oh, I forgot about him. He was cool. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of movies this year, honestly. I, like, I'm just scrolling and I'm like, dang, like, for one, um, 
I feel like we don't get movies like this anymore, like this many all at once. Like maybe we do, and I just well, like what are some other movies that came out in nineteen? Flubber. I loved Flubber. So good with Free Willy the Third. Wait, how many Free Willies were there? Were they like year after year? Because I only remember one. I didn't know there were so many. I didn't either. Like theatrically released Free Willies. Yeah, Free Willy Three came out in ninety seven. Apparently, in the movie theaters. Okay, well I don't know about. Mo- Hold on, let me look at this list because this could just be general movies. Um, it's n- under notable films released, so I'm not entirely sure if that was like straight to DVD or. Notable films, though. That's crazy for a three will- Free Willy 3. I know what you did last summer with, you know, Sarah <gasps> Michelle Keller. Uh, Con Air came out. Speed 2. Jack Frost. Uh, oh, Austin Powers came out. Ooh. Buddy, if you remember Buddy, with Rene Russo and a ape. Yes, I talked about that movie. I, I feel like I mentioned it to you not that long ago because I it was one of it was actually a really good movie. At least I thought it was. I remember like it was one of the first movies, probably not, but first movies memorably I saw in the movie theater. Oh, and I remember being like very confused. I just watched it a lot at home on my VHS player. I thought it was a beautiful story. <laughs> So, I really want to rewatch it to see if it holds up. Let's do it. Movie Club, buddy. Double feature with that and Mighty Joe Young. There we go. I haven't seen that one. You haven't? Mm-mm. That was Charlize Theron before she was big. Mm. I remember seeing that movie. So many 90s movies with apes. <laughs> what is up with that? Is George of the Jungle on here as well or no? No, that that wasn't out yet. But Liar Liar is, um, that came out the same weekend as My Best Friend's Wedding. Oh, Mr. Magoo. That's how I know Leslie Nielsen. Oh, my God. Mr. Magoo. Didn't that get pulled from theaters? But I saw it in the theaters. Why did it? Were they like, this is insensitive to blind blind people? people? Yeah, it was a whole thing. Like, I've watched so many, like, watch mojos. And that's the only reason I know this little fact. But, yeah, it's like, it's one of those, like, mistakes that Disney made or movies made. Is it, though? Like, do you think it was? I have no idea. I remember enjoying it, but I was probably not thinking at the time about the insensitivities of the blind people. I remember thinking like, oh, that's crazy, but the TV show's still on or something, like the cartoon. There's a cartoon, Magoo, right? Isn't oh, is that- there? I know in the movie, don't they go back and forth between Leslie Nielsen and like an animated Mr. Magoo? I don't know. But isn't like the whole thing is like Mr. Magoo just walks into things and he's like, oh, I'm blind. Oopsies. Like, I think so. But doesn't he like also like walk off cliffs and like drive into oncoming traffic? And- yeah. Like, I feel like he, I could see him. Like his, I don't know. He's Leslie Nielsen. So, but I, that is so interesting. I want to unpack that, but maybe now is not the time, <laughs> but I want to unpack like the whole Mr. Magoo fiasco. A deep dive on Mr. Magoo. <laughs> yeah. I've been thinking about, like, well, it kind of reminds me of, um, I've been thinking a lot lately about The Emperor's New Groove. Yes. Um, which should not come out in 97, but, um, <laughs> we just built a whole thing of coffee. <laughs> I got excited. <laughs> you were like, um, Emperor's New Groove. I got really excited. She just, uh, spilled a whole, co- like, not the whole coffee, but a whole bunch of coffee. Oh, boy. Um, but... The Emperor's New Groove was such a shit show to make, and they finally have a documentary out. And I there's just, a documentary, yeah, that's directed by Sting's wife. 
Wait, why? Is she just... She, was well, she invested in the movie? Well, Sting... I don't. I hope I'm not butchering this, but like they want Disney wanted to do like a Phil Collins Tarzan style thing, so they hired Sting to write the the music for the Emperor's New Groove, and then like just animation wise and story, like everything kind of just was falling apart. Oh, and Sting's wife is like, I guess she's a filmmaker. Oh wow, and, I didn't know this. Yeah, don't quote me on it, but I think she's a filmmaker, and she was like, well, can I just film? you know, a documentary alongside, you know, the working of Emperor's New Groove. And then she gets Genius. to see, she gets all the footage of everything just, like, falling apart and Sting almost getting fired. What? what? Did his music make it in? Like, one song. Wow. But I would love to, like, deep dive on that, and now I'm interested in Mr. Magoo. <laughs> just, like, how that... Well, because, you know, this is, like, peak... To bring it back to 2000... Or not... Ugh. 1997? <laughs> Like, this is peak Disney renaissance. Yeah. But this is when it's about to fall. Like, this is, like, the beginning of the end because Hercules is considered a flop. Why? was Okay. It's not. By who? In the theaters? Was it, like, theatrically or what? Well, it it was successful, but it just wasn't Disney renaissance. Like, Little Mermaid successful, which in Disney's eyes was, like, let's go hang ourselves. So it was, like, the beginning of the end. Mm -hmm. And what was my point? I don't know. It's just a very interesting time for for Disney. For Disney, like the the like later Renaissance years. Huh. Yeah. I feel like we should look into that. You know, see what was happening. <laughs> Watch that documentary. <laughs> Give our thoughts, especially on Mr. Magoo. Yeah, especially. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> oh, uh, that and like my favorite Martian. Oh yeah. Um. But yeah, bringing it back to my best friend's wedding. Hmm. Um, yeah, you want to talk about the reviews at the time? Sure. Um, well, the reviews were generally, generally positive. Um, total film play. I can't speak tonight. I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. Me too. Total film praised the film, giving it four stars out of five and stating here, Robert banishes all memories of Mary Riley. And I love trouble with a lively, nay, sparkling performance. Wait, I said that wrong. Nay sparkling performance <laughs> you have to talk like rupert everett <laughs> nay sparkling <laughs> smiling that killer smile shedding those winning tears delivering great lines with effortless charm roberts is back where she, right where she belongs not in a gray period costume but as the sexy queen of laughs which I have not seen that other movie, so I don't know. That's weird to picture. You know what? I gotta say, I don't see her as a period film gal. Okay, her hair, I could maybe see it done up and like she could wear a big poofy dress, but her personality, it just. She's so modern. She's so modern. It just works. Don't put her in a period film. Um, anyway. I agree. I mean, I haven't seen Mary Riley either, but like, agreed. Yeah. She's made to wear a men's suit. She or, is. Or some type of sleek dress. Tiny glasses. A tiny glasses. She's meant to laugh maniacally, but like in a fun, likable way. Exactly. While someone tickles her feet off screen. <laughs> well, Gary Marshall's always just tickling her feet. It's always Gary Marshall. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the review also called the film a perfect date movie that proves Robert isn't as crap as we all thought she was. Jeez, that's, that's a little harsh. so crazy to think because we just did, for our series e pod, we just did uh, Pretty Woman. Mm-hmm. And that's like her star-making vehicle. 
Right. And I, it's so crazy to think that, like, after Pretty Woman, she's, like, in serious actress mode. Yeah. It it doesn't, like, make sense to me. No. I mean, I it's good to be versatile and stuff, but I do feel like she has a shtick of sorts, and, like, rom-coms is, like, definitely, like, she just, like, fits so well in that genre. I think she created it. And she's, like, way. the leading lady of it, right? I don't know. Yeah. No, I think, like, I think, like, you know, if there's, like, the James Bonds of the world. I know that's a character. But if there's, like, these just, like, male dudes that just are just, like, a main character in a film. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm trying to say. She has main character energy she in does. all these films, for sure. But, like, the film could be, like, Julia Roberts reading the phone book. Mm-hmm. But if she was doing it in, like, the Julia Roberts rom-com way, I'd watch. Like, I don't know. She's yeah. So good. So good. Um, Nick, your man, Roger, Roger Ebert. <laughs> I must call him Robert. <laughs> Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert of Chicago Sun-Times said, one of the pleasures of Ronald... Uh, is it, see, is it, that's Bass's. Bass? Okay. I didn't know if it was Bass or Bass. <laughs> All about that bass. All about that bass. The pleasures of Ronald Bass's bass's screenplay is the way it subverts the usual comic formulas that would fuel a plot like this. Which I, I agree. Um, and Peter Travers of Rolling Stones called it the summer date film supreme for pretty women and the gay men they love. <laughs> Agreed. I feel like if, like, this Peter Travers review is like if you need to sell my best friend's wedding. It's for pretty ladies and for gay men. Yeah. It's for all of us, happy pride, to come together. Yeah. And just just have a laugh. Yeah. Have a good old time. You know, think about love. Not take life so serious. Have a, a sequence where there's like at a dinner table just singing I Say a Little Prayer <laughs> and have a karaoke scene where Cameron Diaz sings terribly. Yeah. And also have like a nonsensical opening number with ladies that we don't know singing another song. Yeah. That's perfect. I oh. don't know. Well, I guess, do you want to give the synopsis this time around since I uh, talked okay. about the reviews? Sure. So... So childhood friends Julianne Potter, played by Julia Roberts, and Michael O'Neill, Dermot Maroney, not Dylan McDermott, had a deal to marry each other if they were still single by age 28. Now, four days before her 28th birthday, O'Neill announces that he's marrying a gorgeous 20-year-old named Kimberly uh, Cameron Diaz. Suddenly realizing that she's actually in love with him, Julia vows to stop the wedding at all costs. However, when she is appointed maid of honor, things get a little more complex. <laughs> I love how they just say they get more complex. Like they, they do. They do. <laughs> uh, and boy, do they yeah. ever! <laughs> Which, like, can we talk about how ridiculous it is to say twenty-eight? Why is yes. that the cap off? Okay, I have. Can I? I, I guess I don't know whether to weigh in now or to weigh in. Just weigh in. Okay. So I had a friend, right? And we said if we were not married to – it was a similar situation, but not. Not that similar because our chemistry – uh, it's it wasn't the same. We weren't almost bumping noses, running into – you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of um, 
Julia Roberts and this man, Dil- not Dylan McDermott, but Dermot the other- Mulroney. The other- yeah. <laughs> they have chemistry and they're really close, like physically close. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's a little, there's something. All I'm trying to say is, okay, so I had a friend. We were good friends. We're, I mean, we're still friends. But um, we were like, yeah, if we're not married by the time we're 40, maybe we'll, you know, maybe we'll just get married. You know what I mean? Make it easy for ourselves. If we're like alone and, yeah. but it'd be like platonic, you know what I mean? But um, 28, I cannot imagine that commit. Like it's I'm too soon. I'm saying that's too soon. Too soon. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I know people that like make this pact uh-huh. probably because of this movie, but like, <laughs> I feel like everyone forgets about the 28 bit and they're just like 45. Yeah, 50. I've always I said like forty, maybe thirty five. Yeah, which now the older I get, now I'm like, wow, forty sounds like it's not soon necessarily for me, but it still feels. You know what I mean? Now I'm like, oh, maybe fifty or like I don't know. I've never done that. I've never had some. <laughs> I think my delusional brain is like, oh, I'll be married by I mean, twenty. You probably which will. I won't but, be married by twenty eight. But well, but you'll be married. <laughs> You, you don't need to make a pact, Nick, you know? Who can I find to make a pact with? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't know. I've always had the delusion. I'm like, yeah, well, I'll be married. I'm going to find my person. You will. You, the, Nikki, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. No pact <laughs> needs to be made. And you know what? I don't need, I don't know. I don't even know if I want to get married ever. So there's that. So why have a pact? Why even have a pact? Yeah, now I'm like, oh, man. I think we broke the pact. I'm th- I think we're on an understanding. I don't know. I haven't talked. We haven't talked about it. I think we just kind of acted like we never made the pact. At 40 years old, you're going to get a call <laughs> being like, yeah, I've been married for like 10 years. <laughs> I'd be a little upset he wouldn't invite me to his wedding, though. That's true. That's a whole different movie. That's a whole nother movie. <laughs> oh. Oh, anyway. But. No, it's a it's a bonkers concept it's a genius concept for a rom-com though it is yeah yeah but i don't i don't know what came first the chicken or the egg because i feel like this like the story of my best friend's wedding is something that like it just seems so natural to me i'm like well this is the quintessential rom-com plot yeah but i don't know if it's because of my best friend's wedding and it having the like admiration or like you know, like the being like the pinnacle of rom coms, if if it just like entered my subconscious somehow, I don't know. But this like plot makes so much sense to me for a rom com. Yeah. No, it's great. I like that it doesn't follow the typical like. I don't know. Like that. I don't know. Spoilers, <laughs> but the ending, like you know what I mean. Like you don't always get what you want, or like the people don't always end up together. Like it's not always like a happy ending necessarily i mean it is but it's like a different it's not you know what i'm trying to say i know what you're trying to say but i think the sending is better yeah honestly it might be but we'll talk about that we'll talk about it but yeah what do you think about julianne potter which is julia roberts character i you know i love her she's sassy she looks great in her men's suits and she's funny she's relatable like I don't know. She's like against all that love stuff, which I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm like, oh, I vibe with her. But then I don't know. 
I mean, she clearly loves that other dude, but she never really tells him. So there's that. So it's like, uh, I think, I don't know. Sorry. Now I'm just getting ahead. I'm just like thinking about her character. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's lessons in this film, at least for her character. Like, you got to say things when you feel them. For sure. Like, she's very, well, she's like, she's someone who, well, she's like my favorite like woman of the 90s who like is self-sufficient and has her own business she's like a food critic yeah oh i totally forgot that was her thing right in the beginning she's like eating and they're all worried about impressing her yeah and like she's super successful and she's independent um and she has a gay best friend and they're just (laughs) in new york city yeah honestly the dream the live in the dream she already has the fairy tale she has it all she has it all and i think even the like in a world guy always says she has it all yes but one thing's missing mm-hmm. love yep and i don't know i like i just love that <laughs> yeah i don't know i think like she's an interesting character because she does everything wrong and you still love her mm-hmm and I don't know. Yeah. But speaking of her love, enter Michael O'Neill, played by Dermot Rolroni. You like him? You don't? What's your thought on Michael? You know, I don't know. I mean, he's very attractive, right? Mm-hmm. But he does annoy me at times. How so? I think because he's so flirty. <laughs> I mean, they're both kind of flirty with each other, but they're, you know what I mean? Like, like he does look like he's in love with her and never Kimmy. Yeah. Played by Cameron Diaz. He do- there's a lot of things. He even looks disturbed at that dinner where they're all singing and it's um, uh, George is like, you know, he- telling the story of how they met and stuff. And he's the only one at the table not smiling, which gives me reason to believe he has feels for her in a subtle level. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we'll get more into the story in a second, but like, it is infuriating to see two people. Yeah. That have so much chemistry. Yes. Just, like, not acknowledge it. Yes. Like, at least one person acknowledge it. He never even said, like, oh, yeah, but then, you know, this is what happened, or that ship already sailed, and there's no, like... Or, in, like, a perfect world in my mind, in there's no scene in the movie where they hook up. Or something. I know that would make her more of a villain. He sees her in, like, lingerie. Yeah, but, like, or, like, full-on, like, tongue-down-throat. Like, there's no moment where they're, like, they lose their mind. No. He didn't even kiss her back. No. That made me so mad. Same, because he was obviously feeling it. Yeah, I think he's... (laughs) It's a little sus. Yeah. Good point, Brie. I was, like, all about to be like, I loved Michael. He's so charming and attractive too charming i say <laughs> something's up it's all his fault yes just like flip the script onto him you know maybe i don't know uh-huh. anyway <laughs> i'm not sure how i feel about him i know um, brave made a good case i don't know how i feel but he is attractive that's all what about kimmy wallace She's cute. She's sweet. Which is Cameron Diaz's character, by the way. Yeah. I, I think she means well. You can't be mad at her. She's, you know, not really. She's um, 
she's doing what she can. You know what I mean? Like she's she's got the the dude, and she's trying to live her best life. And she's like young and she's like young. wealthy. Yeah, she's also played by Cameron Diaz, who much like Julia Roberts is so charming. Yeah, and just like effervescent. I don't know. I really liked her character. She's funny too. Like she's just like she's quirky and kind of awkward and. I don't know. It's crazy, though. Like, she dresses like she's, like, 60. She does. Like a 60-year-old on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, eh. Like, live a little, girl. True. She's very buttoned up. Yeah. Which, like, there is that thing where it's, like, the juxtaposition between Kimmy and Jules. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know it's, like, very obvious and, like, tradition and non-tradition and, like, even with Julia Roberts's, like, men's suits like menswear attire and kimmy's dressed like a house like a stepford wife yeah but i also think like i love that scene where kimmy is singing karaoke yeah and she's like so bad and she knows it but everyone just can't help but fall in love with her mm-hmm. and she's like fuck it yeah she just goes for she it she goes for it and it's very attractive i would say yeah, because she could have just, like, quit and then just been, like, whatever, but she just keeps on keeping on and... Yeah. I don't know. I I think Kimmy's a badass a little bit. Yeah. So what about George, though? George Downs, played by Rupert Everett. It's my man. <laughs> he's the best, right? He's, this is... He's my favorite character in the whole entire movie. I love him. He's, like... You can count on him, you know, but he's he might be annoyed that you keep calling and leaving crazy messages, you know, but he shows up when you need him and he's like there for, you know, the laughs or to give you the business and embarrass you. <laughs> I love all of that. Um, but I, I don't know. I, his character's so fun and like he's kind of smooth. He's like a dapper dude just in general. He is. And um, oh, he's cool. Yeah, just like he says, like on the telephone when he's like talking about himself. <laughs> yes, <laughs> his the cat like moves or whatever he was saying. I don't know. Sleep proud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy, he's hot and he knows it. Yeah. Oh no, he's like my favorite character. And Rupert Everett, just like nineties Rupert Everett. I remember him and you. You'd like this. He was uh, Mr. Claw in uh, Inspector Gadget. Yes, that's where I know him. Oh, my God. I was trying to remember. Like, I'm like, why do I know this attractive man? But why does he feel like a villain to me? He's giving me villain energy. This whole movie, in the back of my mind, I've been thinking, like, if only his hair was over his eyes just a little and he had a scar. Like, there's something. <laughs> like, And now, now that you said that, mm-hmm. it explains it all. Wow. That's where I, okay. Sorry. that I, Just this whole movie, I'm like. He's so nice in this movie, and it's it's like hard to believe because in my I feel like it was instilled in me as someone who watched Inspector Gadget like so many times and saw it in theaters, saw it on the big screen. It's like your one of your like child memories that just like have been planted on, into you. Yeah, he's one of the ultimate villains. So <laughs> actually, I was never a fan of that film, and I've I've only seen Rupert Everett in like he's always so sleek to mm-hmm. me. I always thought he was a sexy villain as a kid. I was like, ooh, you know? There is something about Rupert Everett that is very sexy. Yeah. Just the way he carries his tall, string-bane-like body. 
Mm-hmm. Just like his shoulders just gliding. He is like a, <laughs> you know what? It might seem cocky what he says about himself being sleek and, you know, tiger-like or whatever he says, but he ain't wrong. He ain't wrong. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. No, I love all the characters in this film, too. Like, the main characters. Yeah. They're just so likable. I agree. I don't know. They work so well together, too. Like, they're just, they play off each other's energy. And even though I got the, even though I got Michael and George confused through a lot of it, even 100%. in my notes, I wrote down, like, their names backwards. And I feel you. I always get so confused every time I see this movie. Yeah. It's like if you blink your eye and you miss something, you're like, wait, is that George? Or is that, wait, huh? Yeah. It's like, why are her and her friend kissing? And then he's like, oh, it's. <laughs> I thought Kermit he was Maroney. gay. <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, but it's crazy to find out that they weren't friends. Like, I mean, obviously, like, Julia Roberts and Cameron Diaz are probably not friends in real life. Yeah. But in my mind, I would have loved, like, a Rupert Everett, Julia Roberts friendship. Oh, yeah. Like, a real life. Oh, that would have been really cool. Or even adult uh, Dermot Maroney. Mm-hmm. Because they have so much chemistry. They really do. We need we need the sequel, uh, My Best Friend's Wedding Part 2. My Best Friend's Divorce. My Best Friend's Divorce. <laughs> and she comes in, Jules, and is like... Wait, she's the lawyer. Wait, she, she's going to be a lawyer. Oh, okay. <laughs> she's no longer a food critic. She Because of her... Um, okay. Because things didn't work out for her get involving you know getting involved and trying to break them up she's like i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna professionally break people up i'm gonna do it the right way i'm gonna become a divorce lawyer and then one of the cases that gets slipped on her desk is gonna be michael and michael and kimmy Kimmy. (laughs) you know i don't know i'm here for it i'm gonna write this fan fiction later do it I am actually very curious. I'm like, how is that going to unfold? Exactly. And how is Rupert Everett going to come into the mix? Oh, he will be there. <laughs> He's also a divorce <laughs> attorney. Or he, yeah, or he could be the judge. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting a little, a little out of hand. Like, but the gavel. Uh, I uh, love it. Anyway. You know what else I really loved? Hmm. Um, it's, a, it's like a... Um, it's what you'd call choices. Yeah. But I, what do you think about the soundtrack? I love the soundtrack. It's, it's great. It gives me, gives me feel good vibes. Just, I don't know. Dude, that reggae mix of, um, I say a little prayer is wild. <laughs> it really is. And it's opened my eyes to a whole new world. I remember though, like when reggae covers of things, that was like a thing in the 90s. Oh, like, uh, the UB40, like can't help falling in love. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Bring back reggae covers. covers. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It just reminds me that there was a time where reggae covers ruled. And um, I don't know why they stopped like making them. Brie, from... <laughs> okay, My Best Friend's Wedding soundtrack was... It spawned. So this cover of I Say a Little Prayer charted. Really? Yes. And... The reggae cover? The reggae cover charted because of my best friend's wedding. That is crazy. And it's crazy to me that, like, we lived in a world. <laughs> I love it. I We need we need to, like, what's a song now that they can just make a reggae cover up? I know. Like an Adele song? 
I guess. But see, this song is like from the 60s originally anyway, right? It's like mm-hmm. Dionne Warwick. Um, so we need like a 90s song. Yeah, now we need a 90s song, but it needs to be played <laughs> now. Reggae version of... Maybe like a Nirvana song. I don't know. <laughs> Smells like teen spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even like picture that. No. <laughs> um. But see, that's the thing is like you don't really think of... Like, I say a prayer for you. Like, you don't think of that as, like, how would they make it a reggae song? It My works, heart though. will go on. The reggae mix. My heart will go on. You know, I, they can make it, like, a. it's like an yeah. upbeat. I, I think I can hear. Yeah, it just would be a little quicker, you know? Yeah. Like, you just don't hold on to the notes as long and you I just bop. It. Yeah. My heart will go on. Yeah. The reggae mix. My I best bet. friend's wedding, too. <laughs> but yeah, there we go. <laughs> Because their hearts will go on. Yeah. The reggae mix. Perfect. Oh, my God. Nikki, you're in charge of the soundtrack of that movie. Yes. We'll make it happen. <laughs> yes. We don't have any resources or connections, but... <laughs> Call uh, our friend Julie Robb on the phone to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Dermot Mulrones. And I'll call him Dylan McDermott the whole time. <laughs> and he, like, almost refused to be a part of it. And Yep. Oh. But then we'll get Dylan mcdermott to step in for dermot maroney yeah and it'll just be it'll work out yeah no one will no know one the will. difference hey yeah well what do you think about say a little prayer in general because i love that song i love that song i yeah i've always loved that song it's such a bop especially the part where they're like forever and never. <laughs> it's, it's just a feel-good song it makes you want to get up and dance it does I, yeah it is like such a feel-good feel-good song what did you think before we get into like just like the film beat by beat? What did you think of the opening sequence? Um the opening sequence which is the ladies that are like oh, in yeah. the wedding dress. That was so strange. Um It was so strange. <laughs> I I didn't like it a lot until towards the end where they actually started dancing more fun because I thought it was a little strange and weird. I mean, I don't know. I think, hold on, let me let me see what I said on my notes. Because hot take, I do not like the opening. Okay, I was wondering what you were going to say because you looked at me and I was like, "Are you? do you feel the same or <laughs> do you love the opening and did I insult you? No, I know everyone loves this opening. They do? But like, they do and I love the camp of it all. Yes. But like, every time I see this opening, I think... I don't know why I'm just like, this is too long. No, okay, I agree with you. It lasts far too long, and it doesn't get good until towards the end where they're actually doing more interesting choreography because it's just like slow moving, and it's just like a yellow background or something really simple, and they're in simple dresses, and it's very 1950s or something, and it's very like, ooh, to me, I'm like, ooh. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, ooh. <laughs> But it does remind me of, like, every, like, classic, like, 80s movie where it's, like, there's, like, one weird part in Mm -hmm. it that you just, like, forget about. I don't know. So I'm kind of nostalgic for it in a way. I'm like, oh, that makes no sense. Oh, remember those days when everything didn't have to be perfect and it could be kind of, like, dumb. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. In my notes, I just said, what is up with this intro? (laughs) And, okay, when they dance, though, it's lit. Very 1950s, though. 
That's, I don't know. I was like, like when they finally were dancing, it was like fun. But when they're just looking at the camera and singing and it was lasting for like two minutes, three minutes. Oh, I wonder how long that intro was. It felt like a long time. Okay. So it's not just me. It felt like a really long time. Cool. I, yeah. It's, long. it's too damn long. Huh. <sighs> well, well, do you want to yeah. get into it and just let's, discuss? Yeah. Let's get into my best friend's wedding. After all this, finally. Finally, here we are. <laughs> so, so like we mentioned, the like the premise of the movie, um, we start... It all happens at the top. It all too. happens at the top. Like, yeah. You get debriefed real quick. You're like, what is this nonsense with these ladies singing in wedding dresses? <laughs> and then they waste no time giving you the entire plot of this movie. I kind of appreciate that, though. Weird. But anyways, continue. Um... So three weeks before her 28th birthday, New York City food critic Julianne Jules Potter, um, played by Julie Roberts, receives a call from her lifelong friend Michael O'Neill, which is Dermot Mulroney, as we mentioned, um, a Chicago, he's a Chicago sports writer. Years earlier, the two agree that if they were both unmarried by age 28, they would marry each other. Michael tells her that in four days, he will marry beautiful Kimmy Wallace, a college student, eight years his junior, whose father owns the Chicago White Sox. How convenient. Yes. Oh, yeah, that is true. So, like, Michael is a sports writer. Kimmy is, like, heir to the White Sox throne. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. Good for him. It almost seems too good to be true. It's true. I mean... I like how they did set up, like, they would probably meet, like, this isn't too random, that she's, like, a college student and he's 28, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So at least they would know each other. I don't know. What do you think about, because they don't make a huge deal about it, but what do you think about the age difference between Michael and Kimmy? I don't know. I mean, it's not a very big one to me. It's, like, eight years. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. I guess I'm, like... I guess age differences don't bother me a whole lot unless it's like like 20 or more. But even then, it depends. Well, it depends on how. I think because the older you get, right, the less. Yeah, it matters. It matters somehow. Well, that's where I feel like a 20-year-old I couldn't personally relate to if I was dating them. Yeah. Oh, you know. a 28-year-old, I feel like you're in like completely different spots in your life. Probably. But, you know. If it doesn't bother you, like, if you connect on a different... Like, why not? It's not like she's, like, just turned 18. Yeah. Maybe she's more serious, too. Or, like, is, um... You know how some people just want things in their life? They're like, ah, let's get married and have kids or something. And they're... You know how some people are just ready for certain things and... Well, Kimmy wears pearls and shift dresses. She's obviously ready. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, I guess. Like, a shift dress says, (laughs) I'm ready for commitment, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, which Jules is my queen. Like, she's living in New York City, living a fabulous life, and wearing men's suits and tiny glasses. Living the dream. Yeah. Those tiny glasses are everything. They are, with her crazy red hair. I love it. Love. So she's living her best life. Anyways. But yeah, so, realizing that Michael's the love of her life, Jules resolves to sabotage the wedding. Arriving at Chicago, she reunites with Michael and meets Kimmy, who asks her to be a maid of honor. Which, can we talk about that scene in the airport where Jules is, like, just, you know, on the war path, essentially? And then she bumps into Dermot Maroney, 
mm-hmm. Michael and just like that chemistry. Like they almost kiss. Yes, they almost kiss. That's what I'm saying. Like they clearly, I don't know. Like that was an embrace. Yes. They like touch noses. Right. And then in comes Kimmy. Yeah. Just giving her a big hug and being like, you know, be my maid of honor. And she's like, I always wanted a sister. Yeah. <laughs> she's like so sweet and like innocent. I don't know. It is almost like a thing where you can like watch Jules's face. Like you're supposed, like she's like wants to hate Kimmy so bad. Yeah. And like throughout this movie, especially this first scene, you're like, you see Jules like be like, oh man. She can't hate her. Yeah. Like she's not a bitch. Yeah. Like, I'm the bat. Like, what? Yeah, she's just like a puppy dog. Like, Kimmy's a puppy dog. Pretty much. And then, um, well, Jules schemes to break up the couple, but her. So she attempts to humiliate Kimmy at the karaoke bar, right? Mm hmm. And. Which is like the first thing they do. Like, they get off the plane and they're <laughs> like. Let's go to karaoke. But it's only because Jules is, like, sabotaging in her head. She's, like, she overhears Kimmy be, like, I hate karaoke. Like, I can't yeah. sing. So Jules is, like, let's go karaoke Right? She's, like, oops. I didn't know this was a karaoke bar. How crazy. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> but, Brie, you're the karaoke queen. So yeah. I feel like you're – this is, like, your scene. I, the karaoke scene – I love. I miss it. I want to go karaoke again soon. Like this summer, I want to go. Like multiple occasions. Maybe for my birthday for real this time, you know? Noted. I'm going to get some cojones <laughs> and um, not back out like last time, hopefully. But but yeah, like Kimmy gets on the mic, even be, like being pestered by Jules. Mm-hmm. And she sings, I don't know what to do with myself. I just don't know what to do with myself. I think that was pretty good. Oh. Well, it wasn't even crying. Even though it was like kind of... I think that was actually pretty good. Me, 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 me. <laughs> Who did you... You like know what to do with yourself. I do. <laughs> even when you're trying not to know, you know. Um, But yeah, Cameron Diaz just doesn't know what to do with herself. But like the whole crowd, like she like is really bad and like um michael's like you're really bad yeah he was like that was terrible but like the whole crowd because she like commits so much everyone's like cheering for her at the end yeah and jules is like shaking her fist into the sky just like gosh darn it her facial expressions through this out the scene is like so funny because she's just like what what is happening she's like looking around like at the crowd like they're clapping like what are you th- what's going on and then she like eventually she's like wow okay this girl's doing it okay i respect you know you see like a moment of her like shifting again like being like dang it i foiled again <laughs> foiled again maybe jules really is a villain <laughs> yeah oh man and then Jules manipulates Kimmy into asking her father to offer Michael a job, which Jules knows will anger Michael. And this also fails. Yeah. Everything, it's like every single thing she does seems to fail. But she keeps trying. Because she loves my. It's because of that chemistry, though. But she just, see, this is also infuriating watching this movie, because at a certain point, wouldn't you just be like, okay, I'm just going to cut through the bullshit and just be like, hey... 
just like tell him that you love him or like something or like I have feelings for you. Just something. Like don't just go round about. What is she so afraid of? Well, right. I mean, what's well, worse? That's true. ruining your best friend's wedding or getting rejected. Like, just deal Both with it. Are Be a man. Bad. <laughs> be a lady. Be, be a lady. Julia Roberts. Yeah. Grow out that armpit hair <laughs> and be Julia Roberts. Right. But so okay. So enter George Downs, played by Rupert Everett. Mm-hmm. So because these plans don't work and Jules is frustrated, she begs her friend George for help, and then he flies to Chicago. Um. And basically, George is like, girl, what you said, yeah. just tell him that you love him. And um, yeah, just like lay it all out there. Yeah. Which is like the most sensible thing. Like, I feel like he's like the, you know, in Get Out, <laughs> he's like the uh, friend, the TSA guy, oh. friend, mm-hmm. who's like. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a good idea. You're going to get murdered there. Like, yeah. He's like the man of the people, George, I think. I think so. But yeah, so does Jules uh, listen to George? She no. does not. But you know what? In her defense, that scene where she's like trying to tell him things, isn't he getting excited? There's like something going on that's like related to the wedding. And it's it's like... It's true. And like also after the karaoke scene, mm-hmm. like Michael is kind of like even more in love with Kimmy. Like all these plans. Yeah. That Jules, like Jules kind of makes Michael fall in love with Kimmy even more. Yeah. She kind of, it, her plans backfire even more. Like you, you're right. It's like. She cements it like every single time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so. And that's why you don't meddle. <laughs> that's true. It's like a cautionary tale if you think about it. But yeah, instead, Jules is like, yeah, I'm engaged to George. Oh, my God. And what does she say? Oh, my God. Oh, she says that George has come back for a few hours to fuck me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was so funny. (laughs) But yeah, like the whole time when they're in the limo and George is like, George is such a good friend. He's like, just goes with the bit and he's like, yeah, we're engaged. Mm-hmm. And he's like all over her. And Jules is like, ew. She's like, get, get away me. from me. <laughs> like the whole time. And like, he's really like trying the, the hardest. Yeah. He's like, yeah, committing. She's just like, she created the story. She can't just throw it away immediately. Like she wants to make Michael jealous, but she's also like, I think she could try harder to like go along with this lie that she's created yeah i mean just for at least at the top of the scene you know yeah (laughs) she's like yeah this is my fiance and immediately is like get off me (laughs) like make it convincing girl right like smooching like if you're really trying to make him jealous just start smooching or fake smooching well he's gay anyways yeah you don't have to really smooch well it doesn't mean anything like george is gonna get it yeah anyway (laughs) Ah, uh, so um, when they end up, they go to the wedding party, and George tells the story about how they met, mm-hmm. and he sings, I say a little prayer, which everyone chimes in and starts singing. It's so good. This is like the best part of the movie, arguably. I think it, if the credits rolled right after that scene, I would have been, I would have been like, great movie. Standing ovation. <laughs> standing ovation. They, it's so funny because they give themselves like a standing ovation at the end. <laughs> like everyone that was singing is like, woo. Well, doesn't George like start 
the it's kind of like a musical number Mm -hmm. which you gotta give it up to pj hogan who directed this for just um he really just like doesn't he's just going for it yeah but like isn't he like yeah jules and i you know it's talking about him and jules and then he's like the moment she wakes up before she puts on her makeup you know? Say a little for you. It's just so, everyone, and even the mom, like, it's so crazy because it's like the, her best friend, her, you know, Michael. It's like, well, no, it's not his family. It's Kimmy's family. Yes. And they're in love with uh, George. George. <laughs> they're like so ready for a musical moment. Yeah. Everyone's so ready. I just love that. And the two, like, are they cousins or sisters? Yeah. With like funny hats. They're just like ready to do background vocals. Yep. And like the the uncle at the end is just like doing the low notes. <laughs> I just love that. Why can't we have that at our like family gatherings or something? We basically <laughs> do. <laughs> oh. But I love it. It's so good. So and then the whole time Michael looks pissed. He does. Okay, yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe it's because he really, like, maybe he can't sing. Maybe he's just feeling really insecure <laughs> because there's all these, like, th- they go to karaoke and people are falling in love with Kim. Maybe he's just feeling right. a type of way. We never actually got to hear him sing at the karaoke place. Same for Jules, which means they're perfect for each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I'm also making a case that maybe George is the hero of the story. Yeah. Jules is the villain. Mm-hmm. But that Michael should get with the villain. I don't know. That's- <laughs> Is that where you stand? <laughs> that's kind of where I stand, at least at this point. Oh. But yeah, so after they say a little prayer at the dinner table. So yeah, George flies home and is like, okay, later. Yeah. Um, And Jules tells Michael that her relationship with George is over. And Michael admits that he feels a little jealous and then gives her a chance to confess her feelings. But she's just like... Like, lets it go by. It's so frustrating. And then they, like, look at each other. And Michael's like, this is our song. I the hate this. tonight. I hate this part of the movie. I mean, I love it. But I also hate it. Because it's, like, so frustrating. Because, like, yeah. But they go on a date. They go on a date. He asks her. He's like, hey, can I spend the day with you? Yes. He asks her on a date, basically, without calling it a date. They're on this riverboat or their ferry, whatever. And he's like, yeah. Um, me, you know, do you think I'm making the right decision marrying this Kimmy girl? And she, I forgot what she says, but he's like, we don't even have a song, her and I. And he's, and then he's like, you and I have a song. And it's, you know. The way you look, you look tonight. tonight. And then they end up dancing. But he's like, Kimmy says, if you love someone, you should say it or else the moment will pass. And then it's like, she should say it right there. And then the, it just passes. Also, if you're just friends with someone, how is your song the way you look tonight? That's what I'm saying. That they're they're way they're definitely more than friends. I mean, ah, uh, I, I guess. And then they is, dance. They slow dance. Yeah. Oh my god! I love how in the film, like they like the way they light it. It's like when they're having this moment together on the ferry. Mm-hmm. Like it's lit where you can't see the other passengers on the ferry. Mm-hmm. And then like once that moment passes, like it's like literal like like sunlight mm-hmm. where you can see everyone's on the ferry with them yeah i know I what you part. mean it felt very intimate for a moment there to like they were the, the only the, ones in the room yeah oh, so, so frustrating so frustrating 
The movie would have been over if she was just like, like, yes. Yeah, and then they would elope and the, you know, but no. That would just be too easy. No, instead, Kimmy um, is like, I'll scheme some more. How about that? I could have told him I loved him, but let me scheme. You mean Jules? Oh, yeah, it's Jules. <laughs> Sorry. It feels so um on the nose. Because Julia and Jules, Jules are so similar. I got confused throughout this movie thinking her name was Julia. And then I realized it was, it's Juliana. Jules is short for Juliana. Is that right? Yeah. Or like, yeah. Or like Julianne. Or, yeah. Yeah. So like Kimmy's father, the White Sox man, mm-hmm. like Jules goes to his office and uses his email account to forge a message to Michael's boss. Asking Michael to be fired for allowing Kimmy's father to hire him at Kimmy's insistence. And she saves a message rather than sending it, but later realizes that Kimmy's father actually sent the message. Um, and then mm. she's like, Michael, help me. But it kind of backfires. And it, he calls off the wedding with Kimmy. Yeah. Well, which is a mess. That's a, This whole part is a mess and so cringy and just, if she just said her real feelings, it could have been avoided, you know? But, like, why the next, why, why all this rigmarole? Yeah, it seems like a lot of work. I think she just is so afraid of this vulnerability or something that it just is making her do crazy things and... I think so. Right, because she didn't want the email that... The whole point was for him to see it, but still, it's not really great because then it could, it would still have had the same effect. It just wouldn't have like a real, I think he would still be pretty upset, but it wouldn't be like his boss wouldn't have called him. It wouldn't be like, like this made it really real. The whole fact that the email got out, you know what I mean? Well, and also it's like Jules has the option to just delete the message. She realizes she's doing something wrong and she's like, okay, I'll delete it. And then she was like, what's the harm? And like. Leaving it a save for later situation, Mm -hmm. which why? Why when you if you're sneaking into someone's office to forge an email? Yeah, don't you think they're gonna see it? Yeah, why would you save for later? But I don't know. I'm just saying. Maybe (laughs) I I don't know. She's maybe the '90s office life was different. Maybe they're not as like attached. They're not like looking at their inbox twenty four seven. Maybe. Well, he does like the reason why the email gets out is because. The Kimmy's dad is just like, just send all those emails I haven't sent yet. Yeah, he just tells the secretary, just, you know, do it. Send them. Yeah. I don't care. I don't need to look at them. And that's why you don't hack into someone's computer and write up an email and save it for later. That is so cool. <laughs> why would you save it for later? <laughs> I know that's like one tiny detail, but I'm like. Yeah. I also, the okay, if her thought process was for Michael to stumble into his office and just see it pulled up on the computer, that is a chance that he would have to also force and that'd take a lot. So, like, why wouldn't you just print it out or something and then, like, leave it somewhere? Or, like, I don't know. Just yeah. don't do it. Maybe not. Maybe just tell him how you feel. I mean, that's <laughs> not a movie, but, like, it's a thought. It's too much work. Um. Okay. Well, so... Next, the the next morning, Jules discovers that neither Michael nor Kimmy have told anyone else that the wedding is off. Um, she tries to manipulate the couple into breaking up for good, but Michael and Kimmy decide to get married after all. And Jules finally confesses her love to Michael and passionately kisses him. Um, Kimmy witnesses this and drives away, pursued by Michael, who's followed by Jules in a 
a caterer's truck and she calls George, who assures her that Michael loves Kimmy. So, which this scene is such a roller coaster. It really is. I, it is so funny though, like after she kisses him and then they're all like running and chasing after each other over, like that, that part was kind of comical. He's like, Kimmy. She's like, Michael. But no one's screaming for Jules. And no, no one. That's the, that's so sad. So sad. Also, it's the the guests at the wedding. They don't know. They're just like, oh, yeah, that's that girl from New York. She's just being silly. Like, that's his good friend. Like, no one's knowing any of this drama is happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. Like, I think it's crazy, too, because, like, Kimmy, they just make up. So, Kimmy and Michael just make up. Right. And Jules decides, this is the time. This is the time to tell Michael <sighs> how I feel. Yeah, um, very inopportune time. It is. I mean, she might as well have just gone to the wedding and, like, did a speak now moment and forever hold your peace and, like, barged in. Basically. She, she should have just done that at this point. But no, she decides to chase him down and be like, pick me. I'm your girl. I want to make you happy. After I've done all these terrible things. <laughs> and then she, like, kisses him. And the saddest part to me is he doesn't kiss her back. That was really sad. And then chases after Kimmy, who witnesses. And then, like, when she calls George, George is completely right. Because he's like, girl, who's chasing after you? Mm -hmm. Just think about that. That's a lesson (laughs) for all of us. If no one's chasing after you and you're chasing after them, give it up. Yeah. True. I don't know. Do you have any? What are your thoughts? I mean, it, it was, like, a bit of a roller coaster. Um. I don't know. I think just it just the more she tries to make them break up or whatever, or you know, the closer they come to, it just like like you're right, like it cements things and stuff. But it's like I don't know. It's just crazy. You know what I mean? It's like she's whatever result she wanted, she's just making it worse for herself throughout this whole film, and especially around like that the wedding, because it's like so close to the wedding. You know what I mean? And like you said, they just made up. So what are they going to do? Like, this is, she's going to confess how she feels and that's not going to, it's not, it's just the timing. I think this movie is like timing is everything. So so. you got to pick your battles. You know what I mean? And you got to shoot, you know, got to say how you feel. You got to do things at the right time. You cannot just, you can't just play with people's feelings. Yeah. Like, or if they're in a relationship, you got to respect certain, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of things where I feel like she's just kind of. She's holding on. Yeah. For sure. She's, like, holding on to this idea of her and Michael. She probably secretly wanted them to, like, get together. This is probably just, like, a big lesson in life anyways. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, she wouldn't feel this way if she wasn't holding on to that possibility of staying single until she was 28 so she can marry Michael, who is the one for her. Right. Just based on chemistry. Yeah. The chems. You know? Yeah. And she let that moment pass. You know, every... I don't know. I agree with you. She... You have to, like, act on your feelings. Yeah. Which is what Kimmy says and blah, blah, blah. Moral of the story. I don't know. <sighs> this is, this movie just frustrates me. <laughs> but, but, yeah. Kimmy goes missing. Kimmy goes missing. Um, And... 
Jules, she finds Michael at the Chicago Union Station, and she confesses to everything, like, all the bad things she's done, you know, throughout the film. He forgives her and tells her that here at the stations where he proposed to Kimmy and she accepted and they split up to look for Kimmy. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like the next scene is like it's like where it's where shit that? gets real. Well yeah so like Jules is looking all around for Kimmy and then she finds Kimmy in the bathroom of Kamitsky Park. And there, this is like a packed bathroom. Yeah, it's like got several stalls. Yes, full of ladies, a diverse a plethora of women. Um, and Kimmy confronts Jules, and she's like, "You try to steal my man." She didn't say that, but she kind of did. Yeah, no, she was like, "What the fuck do you want, bitch?" Yeah, right. It doesn't she, she like-, like metaphorically takes off her earrings literally takes off her pearls the first time we ever hear her like curse or get like anything other than being like really sweet like she's pushed this poor girl to the breaking point she has which i don't know personally and i want to get your thoughts on this if i was kimmy Mm -hmm. and my fiance has this like best friend that he's like secretly in love with yeah i would be like day one air like karaoke bathroom scene corner her and be like bitch do you know what i mean set things straight set the yeah yeah, set the tone set the tone Mm -hmm. but of course i'm not like kimmy the saint (laughs) um but yeah basically like jules and kimmy it basically turns into like an episode of jerry springer yeah for a hot second oh that one girl is like fight 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 and like jules is like well, Michael's the love of my life. And then Kimmy's like, well, you tried to break up our wedding. And then everyone turns on Jules and is like, boo. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, that scene was so entertaining. Oh, and then Jules finally does have to apologize and be like, yeah, Kimmy. Like, And then she's like, she goes, okay, this is what gets me, though. She's like, listen, all I want to do is help you get back to the wedding. And just like, how is how are you supposed to trust her? Honestly, if I was Kimmy, mm-hmm. I'd be like, I'll find my own ride. Thank you. Like, I don't trust you. Don't come near me. Like, basically, I, w- I would be like, okay, but I would be like, like side-eyeing. Yeah. Like yeah. every, st- like, I don't know. Like, ah. she really has not done, like, done herself any favors. Jules hasn't. You know what I mean? Like, to build a good relationship with this Kimmy girl. No. <laughs> Which is crazy because this is our protagonist. Yeah. So we're like, yeah, Jules, like as the audience. Yeah. But like, just like replaying this with you right now, I'm like, oh, why would you ever trust this lady that we love? Yeah, you shouldn't trust her. <laughs> oh. But um, so they go back. The wedding proceeds. Um, at the reception, Jules gives a heartfelt speech as Kimmy's maid of honor. And Jules allows the newlyweds to temporarily have The Way You Look Tonight as their song until they find their own song. Um, Jules and Michael share their goodbyes, both finally moving on. Which, okay. Yeah. I have yeah. mixed feelings about this. Like, on one hand, I'm like, in a way, it's kind of like The Way You Look Tonight is kind of like it's i think it could symbolize her like letting go a bit being like oh i guess this doesn't have to be our song it could be your you know whatever but at the same time it's like 
it's almost like, hey, well, y'all, y'all don't have a song, but we do. And it's like rubbing it in her face even more if you think about it. Oh, my God. It's kind of like earlier in the film, Kimmy tells Jules she's like, um, he put he has you on a pedestal and me in his arms, mm-hmm. which like with the way you look tonight, that kind of just like proves that point. Yeah. Because like you're like letting them borrow the song, but like this song's always going to make poor Kimmy think about you and her husband yeah and probably makes michael think about her too because that's their song that's the one they slow dance to or whatever you know what i mean it's kind of a terrible like why not a different song you know something like a lady in red or (laughs) i don't know i'm just like whatever those typical romance songs are i love the way you look yeah oh my god you know what's so funny though what i was like in my head i was thinking to myself i was like oh what's another love song to say and i could only think of lady in red <laughs> how is lady that like in red how i always thought that song was so romantic but it's also like do you ever who wears red that's true except julie roberts in pretty woman that would have been a good good one just saying. So Julia Roberts again. This is so unfair to poor Kimmy, Brie. Justice for Kimmy. <laughs> Justice for Kimmy. Oh, my God. But then my favorite scene happens. Oh, I love so this. the movie is coming to a close. Jules says goodbye to Michael, which I do love. Like, there's like, you know, it's like everyone's throwing the rice. Yeah. And Kimmy and Michael are going away. And they're, I don't know, whatever married people do. <laughs> whatever they do. I'm not, you know. Not too sure. I'm not too sure. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's not like the old days. I don't know what they do. Probably the the cans on the back of the yeah. Where do they go though? Do they just go to a hotel, a hotel and just get nasty right away? <laughs> like okay, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. I don't understand what happens after you get married. It's like so weird. It's a long day though. What if like all of that like since people aren't like virginal brides anymore? Like what if like literally they just go to sleep afterwards? Like most. Hit me up if you're married. I'm confused, uh, too. In a lot of movies, is it like nighttime or daytime after the the party is over? Shouldn't it be nighttime? But then sometimes when the the car drives away, it's daytime. You know what's so unfair? Hmm. Like, okay, like in this movie, the reception's still going on. But like, if I get married, I want to tear that house down, and I want to be partying all night. (laughs) Nikki, the way you're (laughs) slamming your fists down. It's mildly concerning. <laughs> but like, why at my wedding am I gonna? Well, you're supposed to leave. For, you're gonna leave last. Is that what you're saying? Like, you want to be the last one dancing with your boo? And like, <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, I would love. Um, you don't. And if you're last. out there listening, I know you'll agree. But um, I think an Irish goodbye would be great. What is what's an Irish goodbye? Like, don't tell anyone. Like, you just all slip of a out? sudden, I'm, like, dancing to Pitbull. Yes. With my husband. Dallas. Fist pumping, like, we're the Jersey Shore. With you, of course. Of course. And then all of a sudden, we just leave. We're like, eh, that was great. Yeah. And now it's, like, 2 a.m. <laughs> Nothing good happens after 2 a.m. Don't say. Because, like, the people that would be offended, mm-hmm. like, your mother or whatever, they're, they're left already gone. by then. Yeah. So just leave. Yeah. That's all. I don't know. Hot take. As someone that's never been married, though, so you know, <laughs> what do I know? I love this, Nikki. There better be pitbull <laughs> at your wedding party. If I get married, my wedding reception, I'm gonna totally wear a bald cap. <laughs> <laughs> a 
<laughs> just so lit. <laughs> um, oh my god! But Dolly. my best friend's wedding. <laughs> Wait, oh, you know, Mister Worldwide. Um. <laughs> so, anyways, so, your favorite scene. Well, well, before my favorite scene, they're about to leave. Oh, right. You know, Michael and Kimmy are like about to be like in the just married mobile. Right, and. Michael in the cr- out of the crowd just like runs to Jules and gives her a big hug. Yeah, and I think that that is a really sweet like, just like nod to her. Yeah, but then Jules is all bummed out and sitting there at the wedding reception, and she pulls out her '90s flip phone. <laughs> Love, and none other than George is on the phone, mm-hmm. and he's basically like, "She's sitting here in a lilac dress or a lavender dress." Mm-hmm. And you think to yourself, couldn't she use a friend? She, he didn't say anything like, <laughs> yeah, but, like I'm paraphrasing. He's like narrating, like she's like, wait, I didn't tell you my dress was lavender. And, and he's like, you're gonna find a dashing man across the room, and there won't be marriage, there won't be sex, but there will be dancing. <laughs> and then he comes over to her, and then. The guy, like the guy in the wedding band, sings like "I say a little prayer." <laughs> their song, their song, and then they dance, and that's that's the happy ending. Yeah, Jules deserves, and that I want. That was so. I loved it. It was so cute. Oh, and the song playing too. He's genius. What a good friend. Like he really knows how to how to you know pick a girl up. You know. I know. Like, isn't that what you want? Plus, he looks good. You he know? does. Like, if if until... That's who she should be married to in, like, a Boston marriage. Yeah. Why Why not her and George? That's what I'm saying. Get the benefits of, you know... Th- why get married? Well, our Boston marriages, though, that they don't exist anymore, right? Oh. Are wasn't just, that a thing? Are they just gay now? Well, I mean... He- <laughs> this is like a weird tangent <laughs> no but i thought you told me a while ago like that they don't exist like like that, technically like technically like remember it's like if you were together for eight years oh yeah yeah, yeah. i don't think that they're like legally they don't, binding they don't recognize it anymore it, yeah maybe maybe it's because the option of gay marriage is more available is that it yeah but also like all boston marriages aren't because they're like secretly homo no they're not but that the the benefits there should be benefits right (laughs) i don't know this is like a different story but like (laughs) but yeah like i feel like i feel like it's not really fair that you can't like you have to be blood related or married to someone to like see them in the hospital do you know what i mean yeah not see them in the hospital but you know like be if you've been together for a good chunk of time i don't know i really need to explore this whole boston marriage situation i think and it's what it all more means. just like a phrase or like a thing but that's not like a technical thing yeah you know? but it used to be right i don't like know. a legal thing i thought so but i just <laughs> anyway i'm sorry i love the rupert everett and julia roberts of it all i just think I don't know. Like, this is the perfect way to end this movie. Because, like, of course, Jules can't end up with Michael. Right. Like, that's fucked up to be, like, just, like, after all poor this. Kimmy. Yeah, after all the lying and cheating and stealing to, like, they can't end up together. 
Yeah. But Julie, Jules can have a dance with George. Yeah. With their song. There we go. And he's in a similar situation. You know what I mean? Like, he's, I don't know. He doesn't have, like, a a pact to get married with anybody. He's kind of living his own dream, too, you know? Yeah. So. Having dinner parties, being interrupted by Jules. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> but. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts on My Best Friend's Wedding? I just, I really loved this movie. I, I, I don't know. I would love it for my collection, possibly. And I just, I love this air of Julia Roberts. I love her with the big curly red hair. Um, I don't know. Like, George, his character is so charming and funny. Like, I want to, I would watch this just for that scene, that dinner scene. With Same. the say a little prayer. Oh, man. That scene and then the end when they dance to the song at the wedding. It's like movie magic. It's like genius. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, like, so glad we get two more 90s Julia Roberts films. Same. Yeah. Thank you for introducing me to this movie. Because I didn't really, like, I had maybe heard of it, but, yeah. Without this, uh, the summer of Roberts, I don't know if I would have, I mean, eventually I probably would have seen it, but, you know, it was about time. It's always on TV somewhere, I feel. Yeah. No, I'm glad you, I, like, knew you were going to love this movie, though. There's too many, like, bonkers things (laughs) that happen and, like, so many, like, singing Montages. montages i love that it's like how can you not love it yeah I'm there's a done. gay best friend yeah love that so. so what about you any final thoughts on my best friend's wedding i like concur i think yeah honestly everything in this movie is really great and i love how they it's like an anti-rom-com mm-hmm. but also like one of the most successful romantic comedies of all time right which like the irony it, it's so awesome to me and it's not lost, but um, what was I going to say? I don't know. This is also peak Julia Roberts. Like, she's – Julia Roberts is the most Julia Roberts in this film. And I don't know. Everything just kind of works. But if you took away all the Dermot Maroney stuff, all the Kimmy stuff, and you just <laughs> made a love story between Jules and George, mm-hmm. that would be my favorite movie of all time. That would be a really good movie, too. <laughs> yeah. I hear what you're saying. It would have been very entertaining. It's very, I guess, like, Will and Grace energy. It's true. You know? <gasps> yes. Just saying. Wait, when did Will and Grace come out? 98? So were they inspired? Because <laughs> they, just saying, red hair, dark-haired <gasps> man. <laughs> There's no other connection. Not at all. <laughs> just the hair. They all have the same hair. One person has red hair. The other has dark hair. <laughs> I don't know, but I love this movie. It's a classic. Yeah. But, well, that's all I got, really. (laughs) Thank thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah. So um, be sure to rate us and review us on iTunes. And if you'd like to write into the show uh, with questions or movie club suggestions, you can email us at thelatetothepartypod at gmail.com. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. The moment I wake up, before I put on my makeup, I say a little prayer for